Good morning again. Today we are following Jesus. Um, and from looking at the map, last week we saw that Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee and went eastward to the area of the Gerasene area. And he healed a man with a demonic spirit. Um, that area was predominantly a Gentile area. And that's the reason we saw uh, farmers who were raising pigs. Uh, Jews would not have done that. Um, but in this morning's scripture, we picks up where Jesus crosses back uh, into the Sea of Galilee, and he, we find him near the Sea of Galilee. This is what we read in verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell to his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Come put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Jairus is a leader of the synagogue. Presume, I'm thinking that he is the synagogue leader where Jesus did some miracles. In Mark chapter 3, when you look at that story, Jesus walks into the Sabbath, uh, walks into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And there, they were, there was a person with a crippled hand. And Jesus is looking at this individual, and everybody else is thinking the same question. What would Jesus do? I think this is the first time ever WWJD was established. What would Jesus do? It was the Sabbath. There's a man with a crippled hand. And what was Jesus going to do? See, Sabbath is the seventh day where people, the Jewish people were commanded to rest. Not to do any work, but later the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the learned ones, uh, they started adding more and more things. And Jesus looks at them and says, what is good? What is better to do evil or good on the day of the Sabbath? And Jesus heals this crippled man on the Sabbath. And this person that we are introduced to, he's the leader in that same synagogue and he watched jesus heal the crippled man he would have surely heard that jesus healed a man with a demon uh, who was demon possessed i'm sure he would have heard about the story of the paralytic man and here this morning jairus shows up to jesus and he says my little daughter is dying can you please heal me here is where sometimes when we hear the story, a story that is familiar to us, we kind of try to get to the end of the story because we know how the story ends. But this morning, I want to pause for a second and I want to speak of the Father's heart. I want to, you, us to hear the sheer pain and heartache that this individual is going through. One of the hardest things for any parent is to see their child suffer. The dad knows the daughter is dying. Let's pause and ask, how does he know that his daughter is dying? Because Jesus is not the first person he thought of. He would have gone to a lot of the doctors of those days. And they would have said to him, there is no hope. Your daughter is going to die. And so Jairus runs to Jesus. Imagine his pain. Have you ever sat with a parent whose child was suffering 
The first time as a parent, I sat with a terminally ill child at DuPont Hospital. I sat next to the mom and I didn't know what to say. I was lost for words. But the mom's face said it all to me. She wanted to take her daughter's pain away. The mom would have done anything at that moment to take her child's pain away. Actually, for the past six years, that's exactly what this mom did. She was beside her nonstop. If someone suggested that there was a treatment in Texas, she would fly her daughter there. If someone suggested, hey, we hear something else is happening in Arizona at some child children's hospital, she would take her there. She took her to California. Every treatment anyone suggested, this mom was right there. This mom wanted the best for her child. And yet we were sitting there at DuPont Hospital. A parent will do anything, I mean anything, to take their child's suffering away. As a parent of four beautiful children, I can attest to this passion. And this is what Jairus does. He comes and he falls at the feet of Jesus. Here, Jairus is said that he was the leader of the synagogue. A leader of the synagogue. Even though a lot of people are following Jesus and walking around with Jesus, Jesus is never mentioned as the leader. And here, Jairus humbles himself, falls at Jesus' feet so that his daughter can be healed. And Jesus looks at the plight of this father and says, yes, let's go to your house. Let's go to your house. And then things shift. Mark chapter 5, um, the author of Mark uh, does something unique uh, out of all the four Gospels that you read. What he does, it's, it's called the Markan sandwich. I don't know if that is the official term or not. Mark does this over and over again. He starts off with one story, interjects to another story, and then goes back to the first story. It's like a sandwich. Uh, so Jesus is on his way to meet <clears throat> this child who's dying, who is bedridden. And Mark shifts the focus. Verse 25. That's what we read. A woman who was there, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse when she heard about Jesus. Let's look at this woman's plight for a second. Physical, emotional perspectives. This woman for the past 12 years has been suffering a medical condition. We don't know her condition. It might have been tumors that made her bleed. This woman was a person of wealth and she spent all her life savings on medical expenses. Again, this is something that we can relate to personally or we know of family or friends whose medical diagnosis ended up as a financial burden on them. Yes, there are physical challenges to her body. Those are real. But also, it's taking a financial tone on her. She spent all her money on the doctors. These doctors would be equivalent to the gynecologist of that day. Even though she spent all this money on medication, 
and doctors losing their wealth. She did not get better. She only got worse. The third part I would like us to consider as we look at this woman's life is her emotional well-being. When you endure an illness for a long time, it takes a toll on your emotions. It takes a toll on your mental health. No matter how much you tell yourself things are going to be okay, long-term illness takes a toll on you. For this lady, the emotional toll would have been much worse. Based on the Old Testament laws, a woman was considered unclean during her menstrual cycle. She was supposed to be separated herself from the community that surrounds her. We can presume that she was forced to live by herself for the past 12 years because she was considered unclean. A biblical scholar named Catherine Shepherducker emphasizes that unclean doesn't mean sinful. Sin and brokenness leads us to be unclean, but unclean doesn't mean sinful. In other instances, Jesus forgives the sins of individuals. Here, that is not the case. For the past 12 years, she would have been considered unclean. This meant that she was not only with her, she was not allowed to be with her extended family. She was not allowed to be, to go and worship God on a Sabbath in, in the synagogue. She would not have been allowed to go down to Jerusalem from the Sea of Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem to worship God and to give her offerings. She was all alone. Her situation is quite drastic. And she hears about Jesus. She hears that Jesus healed a paralytic man that Jesus has the power to cast out demons. And Jesus healed a man with a withered hand. And she hopes that Jesus would heal her. She says to herself, if I just touch him. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. He, she believed that Jesus had the power to heal her. Here's something to consider. Jairus was a synagogue leader, Right? He was a synagogue leader who openly went to Jesus, fell on his knees and said, Jesus, help my daughter. But this woman, she's so ashamed of her condition, she can't even say it openly. She keeps it to herself. She speaks to herself. This is what I'm going to do. She didn't have the courage to go before Jesus and say, Jesus, this is what I need. No, she speaks to herself and says, if only I touch his garment, I will be healed. Friends, I hope you can hear her desperation, her hurt as we hear this story. Her sense of unworthiness and her need for healing. That's what happens when the woman goes towards Jesus, she touches him. And this is what we read in verse 29, <clears throat> that she was healed. Her bleeding had stopped. She felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. And then this is how Jesus responds in verse 30. At once Jesus realized the power had gone out of him. He had turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? 
You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your sufferings. The woman is healed, hallelujah, after 12 years of suffering, emotional, physical, financial suffering. This woman is finally healed. She felt it in her body. And Jesus wants to know who touched her. We know that he has the power to heal, but here the healing took place without his consent. Here's what I would like us to imagine when we read this story. Sometimes we think that Jesus is walking down the street and there are people around him giving him enough personal space. But that was not what was happening. This is a picture that I would like us to consider. Consider a rock concert and your favorite artist is there. And that favorite artist just walks into the crowd and everybody wants to touch this guy and be near him. At that moment, you don't know who pushed you, who shouted you to get ahead of you, or you have no idea who you pushed to go ahead. That is what is happening here. And Jesus has no clue who touched him. And he inquires, who touched me? Look at the courage of this woman. She's healed. She knows she's healed. She can feel it in her body. She can easily escape and walk away from the crowd. She can fade away in the background. But yet, with fear and trembling, she comes and tells Jesus the whole truth. She has the courage to come out and tell, this is my story. And this is how I have been healed. Hallelujah. Amen. Now let's return to the previous story that we were talking about. Jesus is making his way to Jairus' house. And Jesus is informed that his daughter has died. And the people tell Jesus, don't bother coming here. She's dead. There's nothing you can do for her now. Upon hearing this, Jesus simply makes a statement. Don't worry about it. She hasn't died. She's asleep. This is Christian talk for what awaits us. That death is not the final thing, but rather we hope for the resurrection. And that's how the word asleep is used in the rest of the New Testament. When Jesus arrives at this house of Jairus, there are mourners who are crying loudly, who are grieving the loss of this child. And so Jesus asks everyone to leave the room, to leave the place where the daughter was laying, except for the inner circle of his disciples and the parents. And Jesus, love, I love the tenderness that Jesus shows here. He touches the child and says, child, arise. Child, arise. The girl who was dead is now alive. And she walks over to her parents. Immediately, the girl stood up. That's what we read. And towards the end of the story, we are told that this girl was only 12 years old. 
Friends, this morning we look at these two healing stories. A woman who suffered for 12 years, who had the faith and the courage to go to Jesus and say, if only I touch him, I will be healed. The person who lived on the margins, who had lost all hope, comes to Jesus hoping for that desperate touch so that she can be healed. A father pleads before Jesus so that his daughter can be healed. May you come and take this pain and suffering away from my child is what that father said. Friends, this morning I want to invite you as we come to this table, maybe you are in need of God's touch. Maybe there is something that is happening in your own life where you are saying, God, I need to be healed. I don't know what that is. But I want us to come to this table because this table reminds us that our Savior suffered and died. That he was broken so that you and I would be made whole. If you are praying for a loved one who needs God's touch. May you come forward today as we come to this table, lifting them up in prayer. I heard this story from a doctor, a medical doctor, who told us the story about his daughter. His daughter was um, diagnosed with an uh, uncurable disease. He goes on to say, as a father, <clears throat> as a medical doctor, I felt helpless. I was trained to care for children to provide healing through the power of medicine. And despite all my education, despite all my resources, I could not help my child. And then when he went on to say, and then one day I heard Jesus say, child arise. And the father goes on to say, and that day Jesus took my child to heaven. I love this story because this doctor reminds us of the ultimate hope that we have. Jesus' healing is real. Yes, I believe in the healing stories that we have, but this morning I want to share something more than that. Yes, when we go to Jesus and we want Jesus to heal, just like Jairus did and went and said, heal my daughter. Sometimes in that process, death does happen. And this morning, I want to remind us of the hope that we share. That the worst thing is never the last thing. That death does not have power. Because we believe in Jesus Christ, he says, child, arise. And he gives us hope. Friends, let us hang on to that hope. That the worst thing is never the last thing because of what Christ has done. That Christ has conquered death itself. And we come to this table remembering that hope. Remembering that hope that Jesus conquered death. That is the hope that we cling to. As mentioned earlier, I want to put a challenge out to us. One of the things that Jesus did to this woman is to say to her, who touched me? Who was healed? I want to challenge us 
to think about a story, a God story that you might have, where Jesus rescued you, where he healed you, that you'd like to share with this church family. A time where Jesus healed you, provided for you, or rescued you. On the, form, on the bulletin that we have given you, there are some questions that you can answer and we would love for you to share those stories with us so that during Lent we can hear each other's stories as to what God has done in our lives so that we can say, God healed me. And share those stories with us. Please fill them out, put them in the offering plate, or you can bring them back to the church office, or you can mail it to us, or speak to one of the pastors as well. Friends, let's go before our God with hope. Hope that Jesus is our healer and our provider. And the worst thing is never the last thing because what God has done for us. Let us pray. Eternal God, we thank you. We thank you for the hope that you give us. We thank you for the power of healing that you bestow upon us. God, give us the courage to share your stories with fear and trembling. Tell the whole truth. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.